I saw a film today. Oh, boy. I'm Justin. Happiness is a warm gun that just got done shooting Peter Frampton. I'm Sam. I have to admit, it's getting better. Getting better that this movie is over. I'm Jackie, and this is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on Stink of Madness. What's that smell? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty as fuck. Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty as fuck. Hey, look at me! Thrill me. If you come back in here, I'm gonna hit you with so many rights, you're gonna beg for a left. Thrill me. Big for that. Thrill me. Hey, look at me! No what? Hang on! It stinks. Hang on! Get to the Stinker Madness. Hello, welcome to Stinker Madness, the podcast about bad movies for bad movie lovers. By bad movie lovers, I'm your host, Justin. With me are always Sam and Jackie. Uh, I'm still confused why we have to repeat that every time. Like the podcast people are still saying, you gotta, you gotta intro your show the same way every time. Like why? Just fuck it, dude. It's a podcast. People listen to it. They subscribe sure. to it and they, they find it. You it's either less, like it or you don't. It's less, it's less, uh, offensive than the YouTube thing. Hey guys. All right, guys. <laughs> we're gonna make a video for you guys. Like every single fucking one of them does it. Like, don't talk to me, fucking dickhead. <laughs> don't talk to me. Let's go and break the fourth wall. You son yeah, of a bitch. You stupid fucking dick. <laughs> I'm here to see how to beat a level. Just shut the fuck up and show me how to beat the level. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, also, we got a giveaway, guys. Just trying to do the show for you guys. You don't know me. Yeah, no, you're not because you're not telling me how to beat the level already. <laughs> Hello, Jacqueline. This is your movie this week. Yes. Based off a fan request, if I remember. Yes, it is based off of a fan request. And um, it had been a while since I watched this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last, the only time I've ever watched this, I <clears throat> had just had back surgery. And so I was on a bunch of oxycotton. Cotton. Yeah. Oh, that'll do it. And I watched this movie and thought, oh, man, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the intent. Like, you know, this is 1978. Everybody's on fucking lewds back then, yeah. right? They're like, oh, my God, this shit is amazing. <laughs> You'd have to be really high. Yeah, right. Uh, so now, uh, now that you weren't on oxycotton, Jackie. Uh, what's your take? There were some good parts. Oh, yeah? Okay. I like the costumes. Um, Higher praise than some people gave it. Um, I like the costumes. Okay. All right. I hate Peter Frampton. Yep. I'm with Sam on that one. Um, Sam and the world? The world. Yeah. He's just fucking hard to look at. It does. It's and then if he, he was sucks. handsome, he sucks beyond anything. And me. his voice is whiny and kind of like. He's like the kid at the store that you know is the next aisle over that's like, I want I mean. And you're like, shut up, you little fucker. He does such a shitty job of singing that his number one hit actually has his guitar singing for him because that's how bad his vocalist is. No, needs. he's making mouth guitar. And that, I don't know what that that thing is called. The thing. Yeah. The voice box bullshit. Yeah, it's just a voice box. That's stupid. It's stupid, but like, it's better than him singing, isn't it? No. Oh. <laughs> it sucked. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It sucks worse than anything. The like, guitar I saw is at least on key. Everybody, even people that are sort of kind of cool, will play one of those and be like, that sucks, man. Stop it. Like, yeah, stop it. Tom Morello was playing one, and I was like, dude, you're not even as good as Frampton right now. Fucking stop it. <laughs> Fucking stop it. You're making mouth guitar sounds. 
in front of people. That's dumb. What else you got, Jax, that you uh, observed this time? I liked the limousine. I thought oh. that was a pretty cool car. Um, I liked how it had sparkle well, paint. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about that a little later once we get there. And, you know, I thought the little town was quite quaint and nice. Heartland. Heartland. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. It's, it's only a model. Pretty sure that's the same building that Jack Nicholson uses. It's only painted tan for uh, his office and the two Jakes. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah. it's 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 a set. I mean, it's 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 not like they went to a town. They built Rock Ridge, basically. I think that weird building though is a landmark in L.A. Uh, green one. It's probably yeah. It's probably part of the uh, the main piece of Universal because this is a Universal movie. This is down on the studio. Uh, You've probably seen it a hundred times. Actually, the the exteriors are all MGM and the interiors hmm. are all Universal, and Universal got the distribution distribution rights. Interesting. That's why it costs so fucking much to make is because the guy uh, Stigwood actually made it independently. Huh, that's, that's weird that, that Universal would do that because, you know, if you go down to the Universal Studios tour, uh, um, what's uh, uh, Heart Valley or whatever it's fucking called uh, in Back to the Future? Sure. Um, the town. God, man, I'm kicking myself right now for that. Somebody's like screaming on the Internet. How dare you not know where fucking Marty Something McFly lives? Estates. Right? Yeah. Um, the 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 town hall or the city hall whatever it's called that gets struck by the lightning that's a very frequently used set and that would work perfectly for this town that small town middle america feel yeah so it's kind of weird yeah, it it's weird. already built just use that yeah huh um yeah the costumes let's get straight into that they will combine costumes and hair and almost there's so much costumes and hair that you can't do that but we're gonna break the rules of costumes and hair? Costume, because the hair is so much. There's so much hair that, you know, they're like you, you can't fit an entire hair segment in with costumes. I'm going to say that Peter Frampton, when he got electrocuted, his hair was supposed <laughs> to be different, like electrocution hair. But no, it just looked the fucking yeah, it same. It looked the same. They tried. And uh, Barry Gibbs. Barry, yeah. Barry, oh my God, that man is handsome. Ugh. He, uh, it's funny. I really liked him in uh, Megaforce. He was fantastic <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> I love that hair. Like, like, cause that's, it's Barry Gibbs hair. Everybody tried to have Barry Gibbs hair. Once Barry Gibb had that hair. I am pretty sure that his hair is actually the center of the universe. Yeah. It, it definitely has its own zip code. Yeah. It is insane. It's no insanely one's ever, awesome. Yeah. No one's ever had hair as great as Barry Gibb. Jackie, you're the only possessor here of long hair or ever to have possessed long hair. Well, Sam had a ponytail, but that doesn't quite count. Um, how long do you suppose it would take to style Barry Gibb's hair? It's going to take a while because that is a blowout. Yeah. And you have to do that with a round <laughs> brush and you have to get the the brush just right so that it's creating those feathers if you mess up his haircut, it will not do that. Instead of using a hairdryer, you just stick him in a wind tunnel and then do it while you're in there. No. Oh, no. You get too that's ratty. Not, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. <laughs> you don't actually stick you, a man in a wind tunnel? Weird. You would have to <laughs> section off his hair and do little sections at a time to get that feathering just right and the bounce and everything because and his it, hair doesn't have anything in it once... It's done. I wasn't really. It's not like it's hairsprayed down or anything. Do you think you could do like a C-section on his hair and get a little baby? C-section. Barry Gibb. (laughs) (laughs) She said say. It's all I could come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That was like fucking weird, dude. Weird. Uh, Okay. So like. Ignore that. So like an hour. 
Every, every morning in the trailer, he, he gets an hour to do oh, his I, do? Oh, I think so, yeah. Right. I think it would probably take about an hour to get that look. All right, let's cut to uh, your favorite. Uh, we know who's your favorite hair. Uh, what about your favorite costume in this movie? It's going to be Barry Gibbs again. Wait, well, which one? Because they wear many, many, many costumes. The tight white silk pants. Okay. The Barry Gibb cock show. Yeah, yeah the Barry Weird. Gibb cock show. That, Weirdly surprising. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cock show. I'm in. Um, so I liked that quite a bit. And anytime he wore um, anything with like army stripes on it, he, he came out hungover in one shot where he had the little V's on his shirt. Okay. The Captain V's or whatever. Sure. That looked really hot. You know what? You could put him in a fucking potato sack and he'd look really hot. Yeah, he's a pretty good looking guy. I yeah. think he was actually, you don't even have to, like you're saying, had how complicated making his hair would be. I think he just came out of his mom's vagina looking like that. Ah, That's I'm the, here. the majesty of Barry Gibb. <laughs> could you imagine being his brother being like, you're a fucker? Uh, you know what? I'm fine with being either any of the brothers Gibbs because, yeah. you know what? I'm insanely talented. It just doesn't matter. Don't forget that this is pre- MTV and it kind of didn't really matter what you looked like like sure. you, you just if somebody comes to you and is like dude you guys are really fucking great singers do you want to be in a movie and then you look in the mirror and go you know what I'll pass uh, and, and then you get to go on and keep being famous because nobody knows what you look like because one guy was like are you guys playing Beatles songs with only three people <laughs> how the fuck do you do that right. you guys are amazing guys are really good <laughs> like that's fucking crazy I want to say though that Robin Gibbs Robin Gibb? Yeah, Robin the Gibb. most freakishly talented musician to have ever lived. Robin Gibbons, uh, the ex-wife of Mike Tyson. Yes. who you're thinking of, right? Uh, but Robin Gibb, he has amazing hair as well. He's just, I mean, because if you look at him in this movie, you can tell that he's got those really thick locks as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. And if he just had a different haircut, he could probably get the same look yeah. as Barry. Um, because he's got the hair for it, but he just went with the long, kind of curled out look. Which, you know, good for him for being an individual. <laughs> I I feel like... I gotta be me! His hair is just there. Like, he doesn't even really comb it. It just does that. Because he was too busy learning how to play every instrument better than everyone else. He is excellent. All of it. Like, you could tell that during recording that they had to be like, no, just stop playing, Peter. Just just let Robin do this part. No, we're serious. Just let Robin do all the Dude, hard parts. I'll bring you out my mouth guitar, though. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're not even half as good as Robin Gibb at anything. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Frampton was a weird cast for this for me. I just... Uh, as I found, the rumor <laughs> is that it was supposed to be Andy, the soloist Gibb, and he d wouldn't do it. And so they Frampton was like after... He was the end of a very long list of no's. But why, still, why Frampton? Because like, he's the only one that said yes. Like, you ask everybody else? Yeah. And, oh, God, we have fucking Frampton. And then even the Bee Gees wanted out. So, like, after Andy was like, nope, I'm not going to do it, two weeks into filming, they're like, fuck this, we're out. But they couldn't leave contractually. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't blame them at, at all for, for that. It's, it's a fucking travesty, and you would know it as soon as you so showed up on set. Um, and then you looked at Peter Frampton, and you're like, dude, what are you doing with your face? Seriously? Have you ever, like, stood in front of another person ever one time? Have you ever talked to a person, Peter Frampton? He looks like he's a... If you could combine, like, a toothpick and a baked potato... Right? 
you'd get an, an overbaked potato. Making, a potato that's been in too long, you get Peter Frampton. Making weird faces. If you, I mean, like, if you ever see this guy play solo guitar, like, there's a whole thing. I don't know if you guys saw uh, <laughs> the meme on the internet recently where you would take somebody playing guitar on stage, and, like a solo, and then replace their guitar in Photoshop with an eel. <laughs> <laughs> or no, it was a giant slug. So they're like looking down and making these faces yeah. like, oh, gross. <laughs> uh, but that's how Peter Frampton looked all the goddamn time. Like he was holding a giant slug. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that one, the one set at the end where he, he's supposed to be crying and really upset, right? And singing. Uh-huh. You could tell that they had to blow sand in his eyes. <laughs> Because his eyes are like red and he's kind of squinting. Send like. him to the hospital. Yeah, that's that's how you, how yeah. films work, Jackie. <laughs> one time when he was crying, it looked like somebody just hit him in the cheek with a wet paintbrush. <laughs> it wasn't even by his eyes. He just had this wet cheek. Like, right. oh yeah, like how sad he is. <laughs> um, we should just mention like the truth of Peter Frampton. The truth. It is Bring true it. that if you were to only own one Peter Frampton album, mm-hmm. it would be. Frampton Comes Alive. The only one that I know exists, actually. That is true. Here is the truth that no one tells you. That album sucks. That album sucks. It sucks. Frampton Comes Alive blows ass, and everyone you tell that to goes, no, Frampton Comes Alive is pretty good. Really? I'm pretty sure it's pretty good. You go, when's the last time you listened to Frampton Comes Alive? And the answer is always like 20 years ago. And then you go, I dare you. To listen to the whole album, the I, next opportunity you get. I think even the most diehardest defender of Peter Frampton is going to pop that in and maybe make it to song two before they're like, God, this I, isn't good. I, <laughs> I know that I can listen to this song, these songs one at a time, maybe at work if I have to, but I cannot subject myself to sitting through Frampton Comes Alive cover to cover. It is impossible. I've owned it six times. <laughs> I have been one of those people forever and ever and ever that I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I was just dumb. I'm pretty sure it's good. And yeah. then I go and buy it, and then I'm like, oh, my God, this sucks so bad. And then two years later, I repeated that process over and over again. It was the last time I was there, Jackie. Frampton Comes Alive, 49 cents at Hastings. And Justin's <laughs> like, look at this. Frampton Comes Alive. It's only 50 cents. I'm like... <laughs> You've bought that album like five times and you fucking hit it. He's like, no, it's not that bad. And then we leave. We get in the car. He puts it in the CD player in his car. Third note, hits eject and throws it out of his window. It is only good for killing zombies with. It's, oh man. He just made this, he just looks at me and he goes, nope, it sucks. And he throws it out of his, like just litters Peter Frampton. I'm pretty sure that's the most littered album of all time. <laughs> God damn, dude. What is this? Who thinks this is good? Uh, Sam, you got anything else about uh, Can't Stop about the Music? Peter Frampton? Or, I mean, uh, Xanadu or uh, whatever the hell this movie's called. Uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, the guy's name is uh, Robert Stigwood. That's okay. the producer, the record producer. The guy. The guy. Uh-huh. The guy responsible for this. Okay, all right. His name is The Barry Robert. Gordy, as it were. Yes, exactly. Oddly enough, Barry Gordy's uh, Last Dragon was directed by the same guy that directed oh, this, Michael hey, Schultz, but I'll get to him in a second. Okay. Um, he was drunk on Schultz. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> on Schultz? <laughs> yeah. It's a very rare German beer, Sam. Schultz. It's just actually a- Slits. Yeah. That's what I meant to say, slits. Yeah. God damn it. Good joke. Uh, I just totally fucking blew it. Sorry, Sam. Cut yeah, you off for to, no reason. It's really hard to blow a Schlitz joke, too. All you, all you have to do- is say the word Schlitz properly, and it's a joke. 
Oh, I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> I, I ruined your 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 business by trying to be funny. Uh, so this Stigwood guy had basically tried to get a piece of the. He was Cream's manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, drummer uh, Ginger Baker yeah, just died. Just oddly died. enough, yeah. Um, he sort of won the lottery twice. He got cream. They didn't last long, but he was going to be fine off of that. Cream kicks a lot of ass. Yeah. Big, big cream fan right here. Uh, even though they only had two albums or whatever, you're yeah. going to be rich for the rest of your life off sure. that deal. And then he got the Bee Gees. And I think ex post facto, most of the Bee Gees are like, I think we would have done better without Stigwood. Mm. He kept trying to make us the Beatles. Oh. Over and over and over again. And, and like the disco thing, I guess, was their idea. Yeah. Like He's we like, we get... can fucking sell some albums if you just shut the fuck up. Yeah, can we distance ourselves from you as much as possible? But he had, early on, tried to get in with EMI, and the Paul McCartney had said after meeting him, like, who was it that owned the Beatles, uh, their producer? Catalog before Michael Jackson did? Yeah. I've uh, got, I can't remember his name. But... Pretty good stuff. They right said, there. "Yeah, good stuff." We're movie it's, guys. At Barry Epstein, I didn't write it down right, because you go. you've got to know his name off right, the top of your head, right? right? Yeah. So Epstein was like, "This guy's going to get involved," and apparently Paul McCartney said, "If that guy starts managing us, every single we have, it will be God save the Queen, and we'll sing it out of tune. <laughs> you will never get another dime from the Beatles again if you fucking hire that guy and put him in charge of us." Nice. And so he never got a piece of the Beatles. Good. This is as close as he got. Is he tried to force the Bee Gees to be the Beatles too for twenty years, <laughs> and they finally we just told him to fuck off. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. Uh, oddly enough, though, his side spray, like he also produced Grease. Yeah, okay, I can see that. And uh, Saturday Night Fever. I can see that too. And then he was the producer for the original run on Broadway of Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar. So like, mm, yeah. he's really lucked into a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. and never really. I mean, I'm sure he's super rich and it has done well, but it's and like probably had a fair amount of cocaine to offer anybody like, oh, hey, you know, oh, he's the cocaine guy. Yeah, sure. We'll hook up with him. He doesn't know what he's doing, but God, he's got that pile of coke. Yeah. No, I guess that they couldn't do the movie like Robin Good couldn't sleep without Quaaludes because there was so much cocaine on the set of this movie. <laughs> it's like, I have to go to bed now. Give me some Quaaludes <laughs> because I'm so full of cocaine I would never get to sleep. Oh, God, now I'm full of Quaaludes and I can't sleep. Give me the H. Yeah. Bring me the H. And then and, you're stoved up for a month. And Steven Tyler's like, I can help you there, man. I, I, I put all of it in my body already. <laughs> all of the heroin. All of the H is gone. All of the opium in China is inside of me right now. <laughs> so the director, Mike Schultz, that did Last Dragon, uh, also did Car Wash. Okay. And I think the most interesting thing about Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. About this guy is that he's done an episode of everything. He's a working man, right? But one of the things that he did when what seems like when he did it was as soon as he could possibly get a chance, he does the theatric uh, show of Earth, Wind, and Fire's concert. Okay. The documentary of their show. Yeah, what's that called? It's called something. I think cool. it's just called Earth, Wind, and Fire. I thought there was a cool name. There might be a cool name like for it. Boom Shaka Locker or something. But it's it's probably better than any other live concert movie. But like that's the thing that you, the neat impression that you get is this guy's like, 
all these people he's seeing, Earth, Wind, and Fire shows up, and he's like, man, these guys write bad jams. I have got to get this on tape. Yeah, let's uh, let's make a date on that, Sam, because I'm going to take you to the to the rails that if it's better than uh, Song Remains the Same, I'm man, gonna it's going to be something spectacular. I bet it's better than Song Remains the Same. Because, man, that's good concert shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Uh, now, for people that turn down roles that are significant, mm-hmm. uh, Aerosmith was the second choice. Oh, really? Kiss was the first choice. Ah. They chose to do Phantom of the Park directly instead. Oh, we should. That's a, gr- a great episode for us, too. That would be a, yeah. uh, like a back to backer. People try to escape, like the Bee Gees say. <laughs> <laughs> they, they tried to escape the movie. Uh, one successfully did escape Snake Pliskin. No, Alice Cooper. In order to get off this movie, checked himself into rehab. Oh, <laughs> he was like, you know what's better than being on this movie? Rehab. rehab yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's Willingly. why his his stuff is so short. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a comic book adaptation that they were going to do. Hmm. It it's funny the, the way the trivia was written. It was like, well, for reasons that were never disclosed, the the comic version was scrapped. Um, it, no, there's one reason that's one, just one. quite disclosed. Just this one. is utter crap, and you couldn't make a comic book about it if you fucking tried. They they tried to get Todd McFarlane to uh, recreate Peter Frampton's stupid face, and he couldn't even do it. He's like, look, I could draw Venom, but fuck Peter Frampton. Nope. <laughs> you know who would have been a better cast is the guy from The Who. From Roger Daltrey? Movie. Roger Daltrey said, would have said, fuck off. Would have said, fuck off. Everybody said, fuck off. They didn't They didn't want Frampton. He's just the only one that said yes. Donny Osmond? Said no. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, if you can't get Donny Osmond, you only got one choice left. It's Peter Frampton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and apparently, Aerosmith tried to walk because they had decided the original writing of it is that Frampton was going to just come and defeat Steven Tyler uh-huh. and Joe Perry fucking pitched a fit. He's like, there's no way he can kick Steven's <laughs> ass. We're walking off this movie. If Frampton kicks Steven's ass, Steven would totally kick Frampton's ass. Frampton's a fucking pussy. <laughs> Just like fucking freaking out. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man. And so, yes, I've always loved Joe Perry, but his bro stock <laughs> just went through, went the, through the roof, the roof <laughs> because he demanded that Steven Tyler would best Frampton. That's bullshit. <laughs> yes. There is no way. That that man could best my friend in single combat. <laughs> well, they would know. I mean, they did terrible fucking things yeah. in the late seventies. Yeah. <laughs> they probably knifed guys to sure. get H. And man, they were desperate men. <laughs> desperate men. And even though I don't think Steven Tyler could beat up another human on Earth, I'm sure he could beat up Peter Frampton. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Steven Joe Perry is right. <laughs> <laughs> there would just be a even if that was the case. Uh, no, I I think Steven Tyler in his coat or in his age days could probably fuck up some shit, even though he was made out of paper. Uh, they would still the rest of them would just pile on top of them. They're the bad boys of Boston, Sam. Yeah, yeah. They, no they, they don't get a name like that for being pussies. Tough customers here. <laughs> and I liked how during the fight scene that once Steven Tyler gets pushed off, you know. Uh-huh. They don't cut to any of the other fights that are happening around them. They're just like, well, and it's over now. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll, I'll get to that <laughs> later. The most tragic thing I've heard about this production or anything around it that surrounds it is that at one point, John Lennon was Pan Amming from England to the U.S. New York. Okay. The flight was delayed. Mm-hmm. It's already a long flight. 
And Please so he don't tell me he had took to... a three-year break in New York uh, because of this movie no. and was walking down the street one day because of this movie no. and got shot in the back. No, one but day when he was hopping the pond and got stuck one time, uh-huh. the plane played this movie not once but twice. Oh, he no. He had to watch this twice. Oh, no. God damn. He just, so he just turns to Yoko and looks at her instead for two hours because she's not really great to look at either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, like, it happened that he kind of like turned with like, well, these beaches are pretty all right. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah. He it's, said this movie sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I, across the universe sucks too. This is my big thing with this is like, why don't people cover the Beatles more often? Well, here's the reason. The Beatles had two of the greatest vocalists in the history of singing. Three of them. They had two other guys that were better at singing than you, whoever you are, but they had two guys that were the greatest vocalists and so it's really hard to cover their songs because you can't fucking sing them yeah are you talking about Ringo Starr yeah, yeah Ringo, Ringo Starr Ringo's right there the number one greatest vocalist yeah, of all George time. Harrison is a fantastic Frank Sinatra then Ringo George Harrison is a fantastic vocalist mm-hmm. and he doesn't get to sing in his own band very often right. because John Lennon and Paul McCartney are two of the greatest vocalists who have ever lived and you just can't do it so that's why you shouldn't cover Beatles songs because you can't fucking sing it no you stop can't. it yeah. I accept this challenge for next time we're out in public doing karaoke. Yeah, uh, try to sing uh, "Twist and Shout." Uh, it's it's really fucking hard without like like uh, Kurt Cobain got pretty good with territorial pissings, but uh, dude, it, John Lennon is fucking tearing his vocal cords out during "Twist and Shout," and that's a bubblegum pop song. When they're singing softly, mm-hmm. they're on an octave that most people can't hit. All while and doing. Four-part harmonies. And they're not trying. Yeah. You can hear that there is no strain in their voices to do that. They just have notes that we don't have. Number one note of this episode, the Beatles are good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, we've cracked it, guys. Yeah. Turns out the Beatles were good. And Everybody's no, like, whoa. <laughs> for item two of why you shouldn't cover the Beatles, they're better at playing instruments than you as well. Also very So just instrument. fucking don't do it. Paul, Paul's one of the best bass players, <laughs> bass players that's ever lived. That's ever lived. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, turns out the Beatles are good is, yeah. is what we've got going here. Um, no, duh. Uh, and Barry gave us handsome. And Barry we've gave established us handsome. this. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered, uh, all of the, uh, obvious things. Earth, wind and fire. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was the first time I'd ever seen them perform. Yeah. Other than the time I was on drugs when I watched this. Um, I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. We'll have to. They're awesome to look at. We'll have to get that, uh, documentary. Sam, do you have any numbers on this? Yes. Okay. Returns twenty million against thirteen. That's not bad. Thirteen is a is. lot to spend in nineteen seventy eight. It is, and the reason is is because they had to rent uh, back lot at MGM mm-hmm. and front lot at Universal. Uh, fun fact: Universal, because of all of the stars that were sort of coming in and out. Because I guess they made an ad in Variety or something that like, if you're a big shot and you showed up, you got. <laughs> Fucking champagne, caviar, and your own tent for the afternoon for the last shot of this Joan movie. Joan Crawford's flipping through Variety one day with her, yeah. her eighth glass of wine, calling big shots. I'm back. Uh, yeah, she's like, this is going to be big. Get I the do, Pepsi people down here. I did. Oh, Mr. DeMille. <laughs> I did figure out who the, the purple-haired lady is with the big glasses. Okay. She was a character actor. And her name was Dame Edna. Okay, all right. From Australia. Hmm, Interesting. But yeah, so they had bribed people into that shot rather than coercing them with their contracts. I guess (laughs) it was just, it was whoever was by Universal that day showed up for their free shit. Yeah. Uh, Good job, I guess. That adds to the uh, 
the excessive cost of this. But what's funny is because that day and other things that are happening, there was some universal execs that didn't really have a good grasp of this production, mm-hmm. didn't really know it was going on, knew, knew that they had the rights to it. They're like, man, I think this is the next Gone with the Wind. Oh, fuck. There was people whispering the next Gone with the Wind on this piece of shit. Yep, it's, oh boy. <laughs> uh, I also want to throw in my own fun fact. Sure. Okay. I looked up some stuff about the actual cover art for this album, and Marlon Brando is one of the people in that shot. Uh, for the album or the movie? Which For the you? album. Okay, the actual Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Right. Marlon Brando's in there. Right. In there, right? Okay, let's get this movie because we have uh, dropped off of the interesting train. Um, starts out World War One. The uh, fighting in France is tough. It's harsh and cruel and fierce, and both sides are losing men left and right. Uh, 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 Lieutenant Steve's arm just came off uh, uh, from a mine that he stepped on, and you've got mustard gas filling up the trenches and 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 they're they're destroying towns and raping women and and what stealing, movie are you fucking stealing, talking about i'm talking about the goddamn world war one and then all of a sudden this fucking marching band comes in and is like hey guys we got singing and dancing peace for everyone yep fuck you world war one was really bad deal. it's the worst You've deal forgotten. it's the worst deal and these fucking Fancy pants is coming and be mm-hmm. like, why can't we all just get along? Well, let's make music. And they fucking, the fucking goddamn peace treaty sign because of fucking tubas? tubas. Eat shit. Men died. Marching. It kind of seemed like a Pied Piper type of situation where they were coming through the town with their music uh-huh. and then the troops were falling in line behind them. Right. And, and then he, they were taking them to the mountain cave. Yeah, he led them to the cave and locked them all in there and you never saw them again. And that's how World War One ended, folks. <laughs> Fuck Peter Piper. You, this movie. I am already mad. mad. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking slap in the face. I mean, because veterans of World War One are still alive in 1978. Like, yeah. could you imagine being like, you know what? I really like the Beatles. That, that was really cool. And, you, you know, you're, you're, it's the only thing you can connect to with your grandson because, you know, you, you, you don't like the Rolling Stones and you don't like the Kiss and mm-hmm. you don't like the Donna Summer, but you like Beatles and then you go to this fucking movie with your veteran goddamn grandfather and he, like, goes home and fucking ends it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Earth, you have finally marginalized me so completely that I have to leave here. I still am blind in my left eye because of the gas, um, but singing and dancing is great. Son of a Especially bitch. when you're fucking up Beatles songs. Yeah, no shit. Um, so they're the heroes of the planet, but they're from America. They're from this town called Heartland, America, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. They're an actual band. That's this singing, dancing bullshit. And uh, they uh, are beloved and sing their songs throughout history, American, just American history. Uh, the the 20s with the flappers and the and the speakeasies and the 30s with the grapes of wrath and the uh, the the uh, Great Depression. Yeah, the Great Depression. Yeah, sure. Um, the 40s with the recovery and the World War Two and the blah blah blah. I all I saw here was like lady butt in different things. Yeah, lady butt in different. There was outfits, like this yeah. one lady that had to dance directly in front of her camera and her. 
butt was the only part of this shot, really. Uh, I think you kind of uh, just like your eyes veered to butt because there was other things. There happening. was other things <laughs> happening, but that was the only interesting thing <laughs> in every one of those shots was that lady's butt. Uh, I didn't see much of the movie. I was m- w- mostly watching butt. Um, <laughs> three stars. So same. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Must see. Um, so they're like this big thing that has made everything hunky dory in the world, even though there's all this bad shit happening that's in the context of this world movie. Um, so I'm very confused about the, the like what Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band actually does, other they than just play- hang out in front of the town hall and play tunes the reprise to that one song sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club right they didn't even play the whole song no and so like one day they're playing in front of the fucking town hall again and sergeant peppers blows on his horn and fucking drops dead well they're making a windmill to him yeah oh yeah it's the ceremony for the weather vane yeah that looks like him yeah yeah it always points to love yeah. Oh, Jesus. Doesn't matter which way it's pointed, right? <sighs> Love is everywhere. It just constantly spins until it kills enough seagulls, and they're like, this thing is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Bad love. <laughs> I, just, I, I like it. It's pretty, but I've been tripping on a lot of dead seagulls. <laughs> a lot of them. I don't love it. I don't know that I've ever heard of a seagull hitting a weather vane. <laughs> well, this one, you know. It's big. Yeah. And it's shiny, and they're like, what's that? And then before they know it, they're hitting the head with a trumpet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the world is now lost, I guess, without Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. So somebody's got to fill, take up the mantle, sure. as it were. Uh, and that falls on the shoulders of his Sergeant Pepper's grandson, Billy. Billy. And his pals. A.K.A. Peter fucking Frampton. Peter fucking Frampton. This guy. And he's apparently got an evil brother. No, it's his cousin. Yeah, I guess. It's his brother, I think. No, it's his cousin. So he's got an evil cousin who's not even really evil, evil but he likes blood. Nazi gold or something like that. <laughs> he was mad because Peter Frampton's character, Billy, mm-hmm. gets the Nazi gold. The Nazi gold <laughs> medallion that he later shrinks down into a necklace uh-huh. that he wears throughout the movie. Is that supposed to be like the spirit of Sergeant Peppers, or what's the significance to the Golden Eagle? Uh, I think it was a, just Hitler ideology, symbology. Well, I think your history is a little screwed up, Sam, because Hitler wasn't around in World War One. No, I bet they didn't. Oh, they don't think that they did a very good job with the history in this film. I just saw that and went, "Yep, that's a Nazi medal. <laughs> I've seen those before on the History Channel." I don't care where they're trying to go here. He's got a Nazi medal. If you saw it on the History <laughs> Channel, I'm surprised it was you weren't like, and it was brought by aliens. Yeah, I was before midnight. <laughs> well, and we know that it was brought by aliens because it shrinks down to the size of a necklace. Or is I mean, that just the event. magic of Surgeon Peppers? No, it's fucking after midnight Nazi gold. Okay. That's what that shit is right there. <laughs> All right. All right. Why am I arguing? Uh, so now the world is cool again, I guess, because they've got Sergeant Peppers. Uh, and uh, Well, wait, before we move on from this kid business, I would just like to throw out my own personal thought here. Uh-huh. Is it Peter Frampton sucks? Because that's my next no, thought. No, Am I four? So, the kid, <laughs> so yes. these kids, right, that grandpa dies, and they put this medal on this kid, 
and the cousin's standing there, right? And then they shoot to the three boys. And now your lives have been decided. You are now the town entertainment. The town entertainment. Yeah, you you don't get to pick your own career at this point. They just start teaching you fucking instruments. Oh, so it's communism. They're like, all right, you, you're the drummer, you're the guitarist, I guess you get to be lead because you have the Nazi gold, and this kid's going to manage you because he has fucking zero talent. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He sings every once in a while. Who? About money. The money guy. Yeah. Uh, Paul Nicholas is yeah. the actor. He's like, oh, the magic of Sergeant Peppers lives on in this guy. His neighbors, the Hendersons, are much better at music than him. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, really think about it. This is, like, the worst possible scenario for a kid. You are doomed to be the country entertainment. Yeah, right. You get to play in the center of town every day for the rest of time, and I guess that makes the world a better place. Uh, but then if there's a war, you are fucked because you are definitely going over there, and you better hope that they like music or they're going to shoot your ass when you start your it doesn't matter. Pied Piper parade. If they, if they don't like music or not, Jackie, it's the power of Sgt. Peppers. They just like, oh, wow, I have to listen to this instead of fighting. That's what the movie tells us. Do you think that... They're also the best at sex in town. No. Have you seen Peter Frampton? He <laughs> can't even kiss his girlfriend because he gets too distracted by how much he likes hugging. Right. That He hugs his girlfriend in one scene seven times. <laughs> seven fucking times. That's Speaking of his obscene. girlfriend, uh, they are playing the town square because that's their jobs, as Jackie uh, elaborately uh, flushed out. Um, her name, of course, is Strawberry Field, uh, and she loves Billy. Yeah. The most... Uh, it, like handsome and charming and chivalrous and kind and uh, but they don't the bother entire, to tell you of the entire group when she could literally have any of the other ones she chooses Peter Frampton so she's yes. got she's blind she's also blind that's one of the tragedies she's just Strabble got Field. weird fetishes ugly guys that are shit at stuff and weigh seven pounds and weigh seven pounds and like, she likes to get her finger stuck in people's hair I think that she can fit all of Peter Frampton in her butt. That's what she's going for. Okay. He's a little man that lives inside me. Yeah. His head's just popped out like, it's sticky. It's sticky in here. Come on, man. (laughs) That's gone too far. Pooping Frampton's going too far? The world's been doing it this whole time. Turn on the radio. Get some Frampton pooped on you right now. Frampton is shit. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Literally. Okay. Um. All right. Let's let's try to move along here. Uh. So a telegraph arrives, and uh, it's the record company. Bim has called and say says, "Hey, we want you to be the number one jam in the world." Uh. So they're like, "Cool, let's go." So they all pile on top of a pickup truck, and they're like, "We're gonna go be famous." And so then they drive to the Bayou and play a show there. Wait, what? That well, they need to to send in a tape. Yeah, they have to go oh. make a tape. Oh, a demo. They send them a demo, but they recorded the demo in the barn. Okay. Right next to the cow who's eating some hay. Right. Okay, so how did the how did the BD guy hear about him in the first place? Oh, they didn't send him a demo. Probably post-midnight Nazi gold. Oh, okay, that's why. Yeah, that makes sense. That all lines up. All right. Uh, we should also mention that the narrator is played by George Burns. Uh, he's also uh, Mr. Kite. The mayor. The mayor of Heartland. Uh, boy, I like George Burns. Was the hamburger on the, like, what's that thing in the middle of town, that little- uh, The gazebo? Gazebo, yeah. 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 Was the, the gazebo have a hamburger on it the whole time? Or no. Just, no. No, no, no. So when their town is ruined, mm-hmm. 
they get a hamburger on the gazebo? Yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. Can we please right, like right. try to do this in continuity, uh, um, you bastards? It's hard because the continuity of what? They just play songs. <laughs> there's songs in this movie and there's no plot. Um, so mean Mr. Mustard comes into town. He's a former realtor. Yeah, I guess. Yes, he is. It says so on the side of his. Okay, but why band. is that relevant to anything? I because like, he's going to take over the town. But he's also something else, Jackie. It's not just that he's a realtor. He's from the future, or has I don't know what his deal is because he's got this fucking bus that's also a house, um, and has sex bots living in he it. Has sex robots with a supercomputer that gives him orders on how to be a bad guy. I thought it's not just re- oh he's a former realtor then no they, they, there's something more there see I thought that they tried to connect it to where the BD guy Donald Pleasant's character is the one sending those orders no. but it never quite got there I never got that at all it didn't it didn't would, only fully connect I, I don't think that was it at all I think you're trying to infer a plot in this movie that does not exist because uh, I thought when they got the instruments the one was like give it to me and then me was Donald Pleasant but. No, that, that was Aerosmith that got the last one. I don't. Then Aerosmith is me. I don't. Yeah, know. Aerosmith. Again, can we get to that in continuity, you sons of bitches? All we know at this point in time is that there's this mean Mister Mustard guy, and he's got sex bots, and he pulls into town, sees Strawberry Field, and is like, "Boing, I want her body." And also, Peter Frampton, really, really, Peter, really. Fr- I mean, come on, Peter. God damn it. <laughs> You're an okay look at me. Do you seen Barry Gibb? He's standing right there. Sure, he is out of your league. You're right. Never mind. <laughs> uh, he gets a mission on his supercomputer that he is supposed to take over the heartland because uh, we hate love. We hate joy. We love money. Is yeah, his that's steel, the thing. His idiom. I guess. Of his evil. But he's, he's not group. even the king. There's a silent kingpin that never shows there up in this movie. There is a silent kingpin that n- doesn't show up because he's getting clearly getting orders and it can't be from yeah. the supercomputer. It's no. coming from Aerosmith, I'm telling you. Uh, well, all right. Well, I don't know about that. Um, So they take a hot air balloon to the a band. Take, jet. Yeah. To, to, well, they take a hot air balloon to go to L.A., but then it gets hit by a jet. And they're dead. And they're dead, <laughs> but fiery explosion. The the little basket floats down to earth, and Strawberry Field runs into it and pulls up Peter Frampton's severed head with you know like lots of stuff hanging off of it still because if you get hit by a jet, it's not a clean break. Sure. And then she like, I love you. You and look so much him. better like this. <laughs> Disemboweled. Peter Frampton. And then she realizes he's Peter Frampton's head and punts it. <laughs> After she barfs on it. Says, Kick it. Punt. Punt. Then she goes wiener hunting. I always loved you. <laughs> wiener hunting? Well, yeah, there's got to be some <laughs> rando wieners out there. <laughs> At least four of them, right? So you got to look around for those wieners. It's like an Easter egg hunt. You want to get the best wiener you can. That's so dumb, Jack. He, I mean, I we were talking about punting. We were talking about horrible, macabre, disgusting, deplorable things. And you go, yeah, and then she has a wiener hunt. <laughs> well, she's talking about hunting disembodied wieners. So oh, it's yeah, not a I whole lot better. Yeah, right? that's that's pretty weird. She, she's picking up the pieces, too, but she's only interested in one type. <laughs> this is an arm. I don't want this. Yeah. All right. So they don't die. They get 
by I guess like osmosis. They They're in, in the, the plane jet. or something. It's so not what? What the fuck just happened? Yeah, I can't even infer what happened. They can't either. Ah, uh, it's just they had a hot air balloon and they wanted to use it in this movie, and that was the only time they could think of. It sucks. Um. They land and get picked up by this roofless limo that Jackie loves. Um, BD's limo. It's like a, what is that? Like a Buick of some I, sort? Something. Yeah. Might be a century. Yeah. But this is when Donald Pleasance yeah, walks right. through some songs. He is BD. Uh, Donald Pleasance is a L.A. record producer. Yep. Yep. Very strange cast. And he's... Got a wig on and a beard, so he looks like Hank Williams Jr. Right. Why Donald Pleasance? You could have just got Hank. Well, Hank Williams Jr. said no. Oh, right. Okay. But he was in the last shot. Yeah, Hank Williams Jr. was, was in the, the last, last shot. shot. Yeah, he How was in the that? group, Good the Lord. ensemble. Um, the thing with Donald Pleasance is, is like, they ask and he says, how much will you be paying me? <laughs> right. No, Donald Pleasance isn't going to say no. Yeah. But still, like... Donald Pleasance has a very specific role to play in film. Yeah, and, and this it's not is it. not it. Not it, no. Like, uh, anybody else? It's fun to watch, actually. Maybe sometimes. we should get Jack Palance to, to be a record producer. Why would you do that? Jack Palance? What? No, no, it's like getting Jack Palance to play Bikini Lady. <laughs> right? That's what's going on here. <laughs> what the fuck? This bikini is chafing my asshole. Right. This um, one's a real skin bracer. all right so they're taken around town in the roofless limo um man that car looks like a piece of shit jackie i don't care what you say singing i want you yeah i want you so bad but they're all singing to different people all right so i've i've got this summed up uh forever this takes forever uh they get picked up in the limo and the driver wants to bang billy but the manager Wants to bang the driver. Wants to bang the limo driver. What's her name? Uh, Lucy. No, the her like star name. That... Stargaze. Oh, Starguard. Starguard. Yeah. Okay. Really yeah. weird. Okay, so the manager wants to bang the limo driver. Uh, they get to BD's pad, and pool ladies want to bang the whole band. Uh, but the whole band wants to bang the photographer. Uh, so they all just settle on eating a bunch of food like pigs. Yep. That's how that whole sequence goes for 10 fucking minutes. And getting super high. It's, this is where you first get it. Like, yeah, it's going to suck. The Bee Gees carry a couple of the Beatles tunes perfectly fine here. But anytime they put anybody else on vocals during these songs, they blow it. Yeah. They blow it so hard. And this sequence is one of the greatest Beatles songs being murdered. Being murdered. Being murdered. Uh, so, at the end of it, the whole thing is this uh, fucking God allegory for Hollywood corrupting, you know, the young and the innocent that come to town and sure. chew you up and spit you out because the whole thing was wine and dine so that he can get them to sign it while without them paying attention. And not reading the fine print, and now he owns them like he's some sort of evil mastermind. And then nothing comes of it. He doesn't be very evil. He gets loaded with Barry Gibb a lot. Right. Like, that's the thing. He's like, oh, now that I've got you signed, we can hang out a lot. You guys can make records, and I will keep this weed train rolling. Why did you poison my drink to sign this contract? Like like a Faustian contract. 
And then you're just my friend after that. Like, like, why didn't you just be like, dude, this is a really good deal. Why don't you read the fine print? I'm comfortable with it. Poison. That's very good, GHB. (laughs) I enjoyed a a number of dosages myself. (laughs) Well, and they end this whole scene with him screwing some lady from the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds group Uh uh on a rotating record. Yeah. So he's kind of a piece of shit. Oh yeah, dude, he's Peter Frampton. He sucks. And you know, I don't know if you there, caught that part where Peter Frampton sucks. Yeah, but the character itself, right? If well, you really look at this, he's supposed to be in love with Strawberry Fields forever. You're not going to cast Peter Frampton in a cool guy role. And you, then he's out banging whoever opens their legs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he sucks. It all sucks. Like you can't cast Peter Frampton, Jackie, and have it be like, you know, I like that character. No, he sucks. No, they you. And the, even as the lead throughout the movie, as they're doing more songs, everybody at first, Barry's like, just let Robin do the hard parts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the movie's like, yeah, we just need to let Robin do the hard parts. <laughs> right. And like by the middle of this thing, Frampton really isn't in the Beatles anymore. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the next day they go to the recording studio for a hard week, the hardest week of whatever. And they instantly become famous. They cut a record in yeah. 10 minutes. It goes to the store in 10 minutes, yep. and they're uh, fucking playing Budokan later Yep, in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. Yeah. And this whole time, you should watch the drummer. Is that Mo Gibb? Yeah, yeah Maurice. Maurice Gibb? Maurice. Um, watch him throughout the movie, because he will look directly at the camera. Oh, yeah, he's fun in it. Periodically, and he will make a face. Yeah. And I don't think he's supposed to be doing that, because nobody else is looking at the camera, but he will turn directly to the camera and make eyebrows and weird shit. And this you're movie's like, stupid. Yeah. Yeah, and I I enjoyed watching him quite a bit for that reason. Yeah. Because yep. he did some weird shit here and there. Did you notice that Robin was checked out in about 50% of the shots? He wasn't even acting. Oh. He was just, like, staring, like, I guess they're making a movie right now. I am not really into it, though. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice-looking tree over there. Yeah. I also noticed that in, in all of the van scenes, when they take over Mustard's van, that uh, Robin isn't in that van, ever. Hmm. She just was like, I don't want to be here today. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the trailer. I found a concertina, and I learned how to play it better than anyone ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making music with a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Now. Really good. Uh, so Strawberry Field sees them on uh, the fucking Ed Sullivan show, and she's like, "Oh God, I can't take it! I can't take it! He left me, and he's famous, and he's banging ladies, and it turns out he is." Uh, so she rolls around in grief in her Billy shrine, her bedroom. Yeah, she's got a fucking murder cave. She got a murder cave. Yeah, I've never owned a cardboard cutout of a boyfriend. Life size. Yeah, never had a life size. Uh, I've never never had a life size cut out of my spouse. I just don't have those things laying around. Well, now I'm going to have to make that happen. <laughs> and it was weird because it's it's like it's not like they're posters and stuff, right? It's just like a bunch of black and white photographs. Like she's been stalking him for years. She's stalking him. Yeah, and you know, one of them's like, all right, when he goes to get his Sunday morning coffee, bam, bam, right? No, totally. No, she's got a case of the what's her what's his names. Whoever that guy shot John Lennon was. God, I can't. I, can't, I always want to say uh, John Hinckley, but that was the guy that shot Reagan. Yeah. Pretty important guy. Still in prison. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um. Meanwhile, Mean Mustard is getting a massage from his sex bots inside of his bus. 
and he gets a message to steal the instruments from the museum. I'm going to be honest. This realtor guy is pretty motivated guy. If yeah. I had two sex robots in an RV, mm-hmm. you guys would never see me. No, I don't suppose we would. <laughs> no, this guy no. is still doing stuff. No, no, I don't think we would. <laughs> I'd be in there. Yeah, you'd like knock on the door and I'd come out and I'd only weigh like 73 pounds. <laughs> She's been drinking a lot of water. Banging these robots. <laughs> it is a full-time job banging these robots. Uh, we should note, though, that these are not sexy robots. They're they are sexy sex- enough. They're sex robots, but not sexy robots. They're not exactly, uh, uh, what's their what's her name from the Jetsons? No. You know, uh Rosie. Rosie, Rosie, Rosie yeah. was not a sexy <laughs> robot either, it's my like, friend. Like She's hotter than these ones. I don't think so. These no. ones look like they at least have lady bits. Rosie would be like sticking your dick in a cash register. <laughs> <laughs> old, and, and not hot. Yeah. They Says also have you. programmable uh, buttons on their chest. Yeah, so they're, that they're like, you can get your wiener pulled and stuff. They're like the gimp with phones on their chest. Yeah. I don't know if that's hot. It's good enough. Okay. I mean, in terms of like if they had real sex robots that good right now. I guess, yeah. I guess they're hotter than the sex robot you do have. Don't so, have one, yeah. Yeah, you don't have one. So, all right. Uh, who's to argue with you then? Yeah, everybody in the world would have a separate room in their house where they just kept their sex robot. And then everybody's like, oh, is this a spare bedroom? Don't go in there. It's where we keep Johnny Robot. Johnny Robot. Johnny Robot. <laughs> is this the bathroom? Tiger, 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 boo, tiger, tiger. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a very helpful robot that mm-hmm. helps you pee. Yep. I don't know why it pulls on your wiener when you put pee, but yeah. damn. <laughs> Terrible aim at the toilet, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> Just gets pissed all over <laughs> Yeah, I went into that room over there, and your robot friend jammed me onto the ground and went ahead and hit my prostate about four times. <laughs> First, I didn't like it, but then it got fun. <laughs> I guess it was trying to really help clean me yeah. out. Put a whole fist in there, too. Um. Okay, so he gets a message to steal the ro- the instruments from the museum, and then disperse them to his evil brotherhood of of guys, music lovers, that do songs maybe I or not. This is the plot of the movie right here, and can somebody explain to me what's happening? If the instruments are gone, then bad. Then they don't have as much tourist income because we can't show you Sergeant Pepper's instruments. The luck and the love starts to run out of the town. The luck and the love. Mm-hmm. So the the town's prosperity starts going downhill when the instruments leave. And Wait. the evil villains want the instruments because it will increase their business. Oh, so they're magic instruments. Yes. They're oh. made of, of post-midnight Nazi gold. Right. Okay. I, I thought that they were just... The, the movie does not do a good job of establishing that they're musical instruments or magical instruments. He says that they're magic. Okay. George Burns does when he takes it out of the mannequin's hand. Huh. All right. At the very beginning of the movie. I missed that completely. That's I make it makes sense because there's bags of cash later. So I guess they steal the instruments and they get cash. Okay, so now the the ba- the villains want it so that they can have all the power. Even though they're already rich. So they're He-Man swords. Yeah. Right. So okay. the first villain uh Maxwell Silverhammer, he's creating the army. Mhm. The second villain, uh Alice Cooper. Mhm. Uh he's brainwashing them. Right. Ah. And Aerosmith is the head villain. What? He's what? in charge of everything. Aerosmith is the head villain. Yeah. Uh, and 
the mustard guy is out there buying up towns and creating a crappy civilization. And they take the elderly people and turn them into young soldiers? Yeah. Huh. I'm still confused about the Aerosmith thing. We'll get to that later, I guess. But uh, for the most part, I can't argue with what you're saying. Um, so he comes in, he gets the instruments, and he delivers them. And then he turns Heartland into a town of arcades, punk rockers, and casino. There's a there's a peep show, too. Oh, oh, no. People are dirty dancing in the street. There's oh, a, oh, no. There's so, a hamburger on the gazebo. Is this movie Footloose? Is that what's going on right here? It's Because hard, it seems like that's what's happening. It's hard to say this out loud. Footloose makes way too much sense. Right? Compared to this movie. R- Man, Footloose is a goddamn good movie compared to this movie. <sighs> Footloose sucks. Footloose sucks. Um, But seriously, like. Whoa, he ruined the town. It went from, like, fucking evangelical fucking small town. Uh, Johnny Sue or Johnny Johnny boys dating Billy Sue. Uh, they're going to the prom together to an ar- arcades. Yeah. And punk rock. That's bad. It's bad. Fuck you. Fuck dirty you. dancing in the street. They're not even properly dancing. They weren't dirty dancing. They were kind of smirking around like they fucking, were rubbing each other like two fucking awkward high schoolers rubbing their grainy bits together in the back of a truck and not knowing what they're doing yeah that's oh, the evil the evil yep. that they've propagated throughout our perfect uh don't wear white after labor day town fuck that dude that shit pisses me off that this movie's trying to say that yeah. i think i'm just gonna start wearing white all year round i think you should Fuck it, man. Rebel. Yeah. Question authority, Jackie. Well, you'll know if you're wrong because someone will put a hamburger on your gazebo. If so. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> and they put a hamburger on the gazebo. A so- giant hamburger is now the roof of the gazebo. Burgers. The town is ruined. Our evil. We've got our, our very evil statue to represent how evil we are. The cheeseburger. <laughs> It's got drippy cheese. Oh, the cheese so drippy. What the fuck? What the fuck is this shit? Like, and then, like, the only bad thing that really happens to town is, like, there's trash everywhere. Yeah. Which, again, implies that if you have arcades, uh, uh, punk rockers, and titty bars in your town, everybody just, like, all of the morals just go aside and just shit starts piling up. Yep. That's, That's what, what happens. happens. Fuck you. I guess, I guess like. Nope, we got a titty bar here in town and it just went to shit. Everybody just started throwing their coke out of the windows. We don't have a titty bar here in town, Jackie. We have a bikini bar because it's illegal. It's a fun fact, the uh, world. Uh, it's illegal to show your nipples in Boise, male or female. Yep. So I have a set of ACLU pasties. Yeah, exactly. You have to wear, men have to wear by law pasties in public, at least. Um, It's the stupidest. But yeah, we don't even have a titty bar jacking. We got trash all over the place. It Fuck you. But I will say that this is 1978 and this was before Vegas got super cleaned up and family friendly. So maybe I never went to Vegas in 1978. So maybe they're just saying he's turning it into Vegas. This is when you can get a tugger in the middle of Times Square. Yeah, right? Or something. I don't know. Just everything sucked in 1978. This is bad stuff. It's all bad. Arcades, punk rock, sex, it's bad. Arcades. 
I mean, I don't get that connection, but whatever. The video games are bad. They're they causing are. people to go violent. Ugh, fuck you, yeah. Farming simulators, killing a bunch of people. Uh, anyways. <sighs> I could go on that tirade for about 10 hours. Jackie is just over there rolling her eyes constantly. Oh, I checked out. Yeah, you checked out. All right, so... Strawberry is like, oh, my perfect fucking middle America town is ruined. I'm leaving. Uh, I've got to go find Billy and murder him because I'm a psychopath. Uh, and so the sex robots wake up Mean Mustard because he wants to, like, have her. Yeah, they're like, like oh, your lady that you're not screwing is leaving. We're also your informants beyond your sex robots. We're your, your, your Tinder? I don't know what they are, but they're very attentive. And uh, he then sees her going, so he... Does he put on the capture at this point? What's going on with that? He just, He's going to do some songs. He just and follows her happens. in the bus. Yeah. yeah. There's some more songs that happen. Right. She gets to L.A., and there's a billboard of... Uh, Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper's did. band... No, and then the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds billboard uh-huh. is set back from theirs, and then all of a sudden she's having a hallucination that they're all dancing and rubbing on each other. Right, because she's a fucking murderous stalker. She doesn't care about Billy. She just wants to murder him yeah. for love. No one else can have you, so you must die. Um. Anyways, so she finds him in the studio with the band, and Mean Mustard also pulls up outside, uh, in his bus, and so she grabs Billy and is like, "Billy, Mean Mustard's bad. Come back to town. Here's his bus with his sex robots." And I don't know where the fuck Mean Mustard is during this whole sequence, but they're like, "Oh, he's stolen the instruments. We got to get him back." I guess that's Apparently what's happening he went now. In, he went in to use the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> with his driver. And they were like, there's his boss, and they just fucking take it because they're a bunch of fucking hooligan thieves. Uh, well, you know, it's Donald Pleasant, so. Nah, Donald Pleasant wasn't part of this. This I've, was the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. I've got the irritable bowel syndrome, so I must use the restroom before I do my villainy. That's... It's often a long period I'm in the toilet. Oh, yeah, Donald Pleasance isn't the bad guy. In this yeah, movie. I was going to say, he's not the bad guy, it's always guys. So, see, I'm confused on who the bad guy is because Donald Pleasance is in this movie. He's not the bad guy. I'm just playing Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, they go to Dr. Maxwell first. Guess who it is? American goddamn treasure, Steve Martin. No, Steve. No. This sucks. No, oh, Steve. This part was really hard no. to watch. This isn't. Maxwell Silverhammer, it just oh this is uh, this is Steve Martin, nineteen seventy eight. This isn't Steve Martin trying to get on SNL, and this feels like an SNL audition. It's awful. It's awful. This is post Little Shop of Horrors. This is post Jerk. This is post Two Wild and Crazy Guys. Post King Tut. What the fuck, Steve? This is bad. Did you owe somebody a favor? Like, is this, is this your, is, I mean, this is his Faustian deal. Like, well, you know, sold my soul for talent. I got to pay up. What they did is they invited him to a Hollywood party, uh-huh. gave him the cocaine, uh-huh. and drugged his drink, and they were like, sign this contract that you're going to be in this movie. Right. 
that's why they put that in this movie. Because mm-hmm. that was the like, did you guys question about how we got all these famous people to come here? Let us show you a clip. This whole movie's actually about Steve Martin. Ooh, yeah. I like it. That's a good fan theory, Jackie. Yeah, that this was a you wanna know how this got made? Mm-hmm. Drugs. Yeah, uh, it's not good. Uh, but basically, yeah, he turns old people into young people. Then and, they dance poorly. And then they dance poorly. This is the worst. Some of the worst. Chore- I mean, the choreography and the dancing is tight. Mm-hmm. What they are doing is fucking stupid. It's really stupid. You're just watching it going, this is the stupidest dancing I've ever seen. With uh, animated special effects for oh. his brain stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think we should learn this and then start dancing out in public like this. Oh, I think that's a great idea, Jackie. Uh, anyways, so they get the cornet back after beating up some nurses. They don't even beat up the nurses. The nurses beat up them. The, bird, the Bee Gees get the shit kicked out of them by some nurses that just leave. That just leave. And so they wake up and they're like, well, we came for that. So let's grab it and go. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, they find the drum inside the bus because that was uh, the uh, mean mustards. Uh, so the next up, they've got to take on Father Sung's tuba, and that is Alice Cooper, Father Son. Why is he called Father Son? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but you know, he didn't sing the song. No, it was really weird. It was really weird, and it was just—I I don't blame him for wanting to get the fuck out of here. He's no. like, uh, "I put my face in a pie for you. Fuck yourself." Yeah. yeah, he shot some stuff. They did. They used everything they had because he was like, after a couple of days, like, "I'm not. No, no. I gotta go to rehab. <laughs> rehab is better than this movie." Yeah, they bust in. Uh, they steal his uh, the tuba with pretty little trouble, except for Billy almost gets electrocuted to death, and I don't even know why he was messing with the fucking wires to begin with. Uh, so he's almost dead. And this is when Sam is shouting, just let him die. Just let him <laughs> die. He sucks, guys. Get him out of the band. The, the I have a recurring note that's kill the Frampton. Kill just, the Frampton. <laughs> every time he's in mortal danger, I'm like, kill the Frampton. Kill him. In, if Sam had been alive in the 1930s, he would have been the first to form a posse with the pitchforks and the b- torches to storm the Frampton Castle and get him. <laughs> yeah, I make my own album. Framptonstein. Frampton's <laughs> fucking dead now. <laughs> All right, so Strawberry Field sings him back to life with a song about herself. Uh, and then uh, BD gets them to do a benefit concert. Wait. BD, the evil record producers? Like, why don't you do a benefit concert for your town that's now got covered in arcade machines? So he wasn't a bad guy this whole time. It just doesn't make any sense. It fucking sad. He just smokes a bunch of reefer with Barry. Right? And he's like, it's okay that you're late. You want to hit before you go in there? Yeah. So that night, uh, BD breaks into the bus to have sex with the sex bots, I guess. And the cousin manager takes that opportunity to break into the bank and roll around in the money that they that that the mean mustard has with the limo driver lady. Yeah. No, that's the town's money. That's not mustard's money. That's okay, the thought... benefit money from the concert. Oh. Oh, so they're stealing their own oh, God damn. Yeah, they're stealing their old money? Yeah. They're stealing the benefit money. Okay. Because they're stupid. I don't think this cousin guy knows what he's doing. No. They say that he's a jealous fuck at the beginning of the movie. He's an idiot fuck is what he's yeah, doing. He's Just ride idiot. those coattails, dude. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, then Earth, Wind, and Fire shows up. They're outside playing a show, and they uh, embarrass every other person in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And if you watch when they pan over to, like, the Bee Gees, right, Barry Gibb is is really getting down. He's, like, mouthing the words and shit with uh-huh, them. Uh-huh. He's having a good time. You can yeah. tell he likes Earth, Wind, and Fire a lot. Sergeant Peppers doesn't come on stage with Earth, Wind, and Fire and do, like, a medley where they're jamming side by side that no. you normally would see in a movie. No, Fucking Sergeant Pepper sits their ass down and lets those guys play. Yeah, Robin's like, look, some other people that know how to play. <laughs> These guys are very good. <laughs> right. Let's let's not fuck this up. Yeah. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, they kill it. Um, they do such a good job that no one notices that uh, Mean Mustard has kidnapped Strawberry until the end of the song when Robin looks back and is like, hey, the bus is leaving. And so they go and follow it. So they chase it in their own bus. Their hot air balloon. Wait, no, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's the hot they, air balloon. Yeah, they get in the hot air balloon. They all duck down below the basket line, and then they pop back up, and instead of their Sergeant Pepper outfits, now they've got flight uniforms mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. Bedazzled. Yes. Sequined. Flight. Silk. Baby. Air Sky Captain uniforms. So, Mean Mustard takes Strawberry Fields to Aerosmith. Yes. And he sings her a love song about... About how he sexually and appropriately touches himself. I'm pretty sure that Steven Tyler got himself pregnant three times filming this sequence. He's so high on fucking heroin, Sam, he doesn't know what's going on. He has got a lot of sexually inappropriate touching on himself. Yeah, he doesn't... He, man, you're that loaded on shit. You don't... Whatever, dude. Touch yourself 60 times. You're about to die. Yeah. Like, he almost I OD'd on this. He's so fucking checked out. I kind of thought he was gonna shove that microphone up her cooch. Yeah, he might have. He might have. He probably would have been shoving it anywhere he could. He was just shoving it here, there, wherever. He doesn't know what's going on, Jackie. And then he did this weird thing with this microphone and this scarf. And I don't think she was faking it when she's like, get the fuck off don't, of me. Don't touch me, Mr. Tyler. Please don't touch me. You're so she gross. Was, it looked like she was trying to get her head away because all she could smell was like Jack Daniels. Yeah, I'm sure he was winging it completely. They, they were. This is 1978. These guys are fucking loaded This right is now. about as low as Aerosmith got was 1978. Yeah. Well, maybe 1980. They didn't clean up until 83. So, yeah. Because one of them OD'd, right? No, 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 no. But Steven Tyler came close like a a bunch of times. It's very well documented that from, I believe, 76 to 1983, he doesn't remember a fucking thing. It is seven years blacked out. Not a memory at all. So I I guarantee he doesn't even remember doing this movie. That's how fucked up those guys were. That's why Joe Perry had to make a stink. He was like, no, he can't. He, he's gonna kick Frampton's ass. He can't even stand up, and he'll kick Frampton's ass. Yeah, exactly. Um, but why, if they're if Aerosmith is the guys that are pulling the strings, um, I brought this lady, guys. Aerosmith, I brought this lady. It's tribute that I'm lo- in love with. And if you noticed that during the Aerosmith song, they have their employees up on the wall for you to see. Huh? They have Steve Martin, yeah, uh, yeah. Mustard, and oh, yeah. Alice right. Cooper. Like these are our employees. I guess if you're, you know, you've got like an evil volcano lair or something, you would have pictures of your henchmen, and you know, like your top henchers. They're just like dressed like the 
County Sheriff's Department. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I guess maybe they're the evil guy. Maybe you're right, Jackie. It just doesn't make any sense because they don't have an instrument. They they never go and steal their instrument. They have the final instrument. Which is what? The tuba. No, they already got, no, the, tuba got the tuba from, tuba. from Alice Cooper. Uh, I don't understand what's happening here. I don't. I think that they're the head villains because you got to also think that they've got the the troops there that are dancing for them. Yeah, I thought that they were just like the house band. No, because the mustard is super excited too to be watching them on stage, and he's like, "Yeah, woo!" He's like a fanboy. He's throwing his underwear up there. I don't know. I guess it's the best theory we got who the bad guy of this movie is, but it also is. They're pretty bad at being bad guys because all they do is just come out and fucking play some play what's uh, uh, come together. Yeah. And Whoa, then villainy. Steven Tyler does defeat Peter Frampton handily in single combat. Right. He does. Uh, <laughs> at which point Frampton's girlfriend lightly touches Steven Tyler, who is then killed by it because Peter Frampton's that much of a ninny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then she just. Falls on some stairs and eats some major shit and dies. She takes tumble. Tumble. <laughs> <laughs> we round this. Yeah. Uh, so we could watch it. It's a pretty funny bad dummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was a great scene. It just cuts to a wide of like, oh, she didn't make it. The thing that she's tied to, chained to, I guess breaks off of its mounts and like drags her to her demise. Yeah. <laughs> just- Goes over the edge, and that's it for strawberry. Oh, I should have tied her to something better. Strawberry fields forever, or until stairs. Right, until stairs. Yeah, so Heartland has a giant funeral for uh, Billy is super sad. He's despondent. He goes for a sad walk and cries. And then he jumps off of a uh, 20-foot porch roof that wasn't going to kill him. No. But the Bee Gees just sit there and watch, like, do it! Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, please, is this the time? Is this the time? No, it's not the time, because the fucking weather vane comes to life, and it's Billy, Billy Preston. Billy fucking Preston. Who is not the same guy as Sergeant Pepper's was before. No. So, but he's supposed to be Sergeant Pepper. Or just maybe... Because that's who the windmill is. No, the weather, the weather vane? vane is Sergeant Pepper. No, okay, so Jackie, I know you want to be really like it is, but there is a shot of the weather vane existing at the same time as the original Sergeant Pepper existed. They can't be the same thing. The weather vane is the spirit of Sergeant Pepper, of Billy Preston. Oh, well, I thought that. Yeah, he doesn't die until the weather vane is put on top of the roof. Ah, oh, all right. Nice, okay, nice, nice. Okay, now, okay, this makes more sense now. All right. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It makes a, less sense, it makes actually. less sense. He turns into a man <laughs> who flies, and that man happens to be, and he's doing uh, JoJo. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, Billy Preston did the keys in that song originally okay. for the Beatles. Right, that makes sense. How about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, then he uses bullshit magic to bring everyone back to life. He zaps his fucking finger lasers and makes it so Peter Frampton doesn't die. Bad choice. Uh, then makes uh, Mean Mustard and his henchmen the Pope and a Cardinal? I don't yeah. know what that is. And the cousin and the limo driver, and they're dressed like saints too. Uh, and then zap Strawberry Fields back, back to, life. to life. Changes everybody's clothes into fun time dancing clothes, I guess. They're so, Sergeant Pepper outfits. Right. 
and then they they were taken out uh, with uh, We Are the World prequel. Yeah. Pretty much everybody who's anybody gets together and sings the outro to Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, and Robin's like, oh, Frampton almost died. Yeah, we can play the Beatles with three people. If we have him, we can't play the Beatles at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that's your movie. And now, Jackie, would be a good time to say, uh, Tina Turner was in there. <laughs> Tina Turner was in there. Um, Dame Edna, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney Hank and Williams Ringo. Jr. Which was weird that they did that, Paul yeah. McCartney and Ringo. Oh, he would, McCartney was apparently ex post facto when he saw it. He was like, oh, motherfucker. He was pissed. Yeah, I bet. It was like, oh, I hated that guy. That guy made me think I didn't hate him. Now I hate him I so much more. I hate fucking him. hate that guy. And Peter Frampton really isn't very good. Yeah. Oh, the Harrison was because I think he's the only one that made it out without saying it. Okay. And he was like, it wasn't fair for the Bee Gees because they're a good band. Right. That they should have got a movie where they got to play their own music and it would have been better for them. Right. And then, like, asked about Frampton, he just sort of doesn't say anything. <laughs> um, I I'm must... the nicest man on earth. And you've asked me about Peter Frampton, so I'm going to say nothing. Uh, did you say Eric Clapton? Eric Clapton's very good. Yes, he's still my wife, and I'll talk nice about him. Yeah, yeah, he did that. Very good guitarist. Uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, this movie. Just fuck this movie. Um, God damn it. I we covered all my questions. I seriously have what's the plot? Who's pulling mustard strings? Uh why Frampton? Um and I mean not just why Frampton for this, but why Frampton for anything? <laughs> I just don't get Peter Frampton at all. I mean, who what, who saw this guy and was like, "Oh my god, he's fucking the next cheap trick." Really? Well, I know it's like stuff happens like Rick Astley or whatever, right? Dude, don't you don't you diss Rick Astley? No, no Rick Astley's. <laughs> but you see, you're like, this guy's singing and dancing nice. Yeah. And then somebody will be like, well, why him? I'm like, have you seen Frampton? Yeah, have you seen Frampton? <laughs> it's like, people like Steve Miller. Ugh, I don't like Steve Miller either. I'll take Steve Miller I'll over take Frampton. Steve Miller over Frampton, sure. Any day of the week. I don't like Steve Miller. Um. So, anyways, who, who's got a question? Anything? I don't. Yeah. What am I supposed to ask? If you had to make a new movie based off an album that you had heard, mm. which one would you choose? Oh, I think that one's obvious. Uh, Wonderwall by Oasis. That's just their follow-up to this. They were the same, you know, they were better than the Beatles. They were. Yeah, the, the Oasis. They thought, yeah, the Gallagher brothers were the best ever. <laughs> According to the Gallagher brothers. And they still do think that. Yeah, they just have to keep the door closed and the TV off. Yeah, no, no, Noel uh, solved Brexit last week. I oh, believe. Oh God damn yeah, it! Yeah, he he weighed in and and told everybody their fucking business because he's Noel Gallagher, fucking godsend. Dude, go fuck yourself. I Noel Gallagher. To, like I always want to be like Noel's the worst, and then Liam does something. Uh-huh. I'm like uh-huh. Liam's the worst of the two. There's just douches. Yeah, no, the sequel to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Go Band is Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way you could make this shit worse. Yeah. And get Peter Frampton to come back, of course. Oh, I was going to go Ray Stevens' Greatest Hits. <laughs> Ray Stevens. <laughs> Have you ever listened to it? You'd have a train in there where, <laughs> you know, the woman's going to be ran over and there's a villain and then it was switched to some camels. Uh gonna be a very there's a lot of things happening in this ray stevens movie <laughs> yeah there's a squirrel that went to church 
<laughs> yep, that's what we need. Does he do, did he do the streak too? Yeah, yep. and he yep. did the streak. Oh, there we go. He's gonna be a naked guy. Gonna, this movie's gonna have it all. Yep. Okay. All right. Final recommendations, guys. On this, this is a tough call. Um, I think I I'm gonna take lead here. Yeah. Go ahead. I have what I have to say is it's yeah. If you've never seen this, you kind of have to watch it. I don't know if you do. And then never watch it again. I don't. Why Why do you have to? What's is, there's no historical significance to it. No, it's worth uh, seeing. unless you want to see what killed the Bee Gees career, I guess, because you know, yeah, that that's it. About it. About it. Uh, the Earth, Wind, and Fire part was fun. Yeah, then watch the documentary. Instead. Watch that instead. Yeah. You get to see a lady, a, a bad dummy fall. Bad dummy fall. That's that's yeah. It's just still <laughs> not enough for me. I mean, there's just nothing here. It it doesn't have historical significance. It is a terrible film, but at the same time, it's not so bad. It's good. It's just so blech that it's good. They didn't have a script. They just yeah. He had 29 songs they had the rights to, and he tried to put them all in a movie. Right, and that's not not something for me. So do not from me, Jackie. I'm gonna give it a do. Really? Okay. I enjoyed it the second time around. Yeah. Um, I liked all the guest appearances. I love the Bee Gees. So they're fucking great. Um, but it, this is not good. I it, mean, this is sucks it, for them. It was entertaining though for me. Okay. Um, just because you, like Sam said, right? They they started doing weird shit towards the camera because mm-hmm. they don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. And. I don't know. I think that just, you know, and then you get a look at Aerosmith and how fucking whacked out they are when they're on set. Mm-hmm. And I I just enjoyed it. Okay. It was kind of weird. And I, I mean, I just liked it. So like the, I like the flashy colors, Justin. Two to one do, I guess. With one Caveat kind of on do. the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the one time. Don't do it again. Uh, All right. Uh. Don't have any streaming do's and don'ts this week, but we do have a little film story um, with my first in a series called Tales from the Baywatch. Do we get to ring in? Yeah, why not? This isn't that important. Um, I do want to. I would. I think that Tales from the Baywatch, just by its very title, seems very important to me. No, I don't know. Um, there's not that much information yeah. about Baywatch. But what, what I'm going to talk about is now that fall has hit us in full fucking force, everybody's now freezing their ass off. Even though supposedly it was the hottest September on record, uh, it got very cold here. But during the summer, I enjoyed myself thoroughly sitting in a pool, watching Baywatch, drinking and drinking beers. Like, it was fan-fucking-tastic. I can't imagine anything more American dream than sitting in a pool and watching Baywatch. And guess what? It's super stupid, guys. Yeah. Like, the show is so dumb, but so fucking good. I absolutely loved it. It's not just because of the titties. There's really not that much titties in it. There's no titties. Well, there's no exposed titties. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like like Chandler and fucking uh, Joey made it sound to be. It's just a dumb syndicated show they like die hard too much as well yeah they like die hard too much uh so anyways baywatch premiered on nbc in 1989 when it was canceled after only one season when it placed 73rd out of 103 shows in the seasonal ratings and also because the studio gtg went out of business due to high production costs gtg was unable to finance the series any further so canceled after one season. Yep. Fairly fear, fear, fearing, 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 God, fearing Baywatch. <laughs> Feeling the series still had potential, 
one David motherfucking Hasselhoff, one of the principal actors, along with creators and executive producers Michael Burke, Douglas Schwartz, and Gregory J. Bonin, revived it for the first-run syndication market in 1991. Hasselhoff was given the title of executive producer for his work on bringing the show back. The series was hugely successful, especially internationally. Now, here's the fun part. Baywatch viewers were predominantly women. Yeah? What? There's some hot dudes on that show. 65% of the show's fan base was female. It's not even close. 65%? Yeah. And this is looked at as like a sexist, misogynistic show, ipso facto. And I tell you what, it is not. This thing is as fucking progressive and west coast lib as you can possibly fucking get every single show every single episode is like an episode of he-man there's yeah. always a moral at the end where david hasselhoff sits down in front of a fire and tells you how to live your fucking life <laughs> hey hobie yeah that's right i named my kid after a surfboard <laughs> right now i'm gonna tell him about green living i thought he was named after a sandwich the hobie sandwich <laughs> I thought it was a West Coast thing. That's a hoagie sandwich, Jackie. But now I, you, I think you've given me a great name for my next dog. Hoagie. hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, hoagie. <laughs> you have to be a weenie. Um, with, uh, okay, so uh, 65%. Uh, with, one, with its number one audience being women aged 18 to 34. Speaking in 2001, Schwartz explained that after doing focus groups on Baywatch for about five years, they learned that the show appealed to this demographic because most of its lead characters were strong, independent women who were heroic, who were saving lives, who were equal to men. So there you go. Anybody that says that uh, Baywatch is just some sort of, you know... You just watch, watch ladies in red bikinis. Those swimsuits are too practical to be sexy. They are. And they're a size smaller than they need to be so that they go precisely up the butt. Just Well, they got to be fast, Jackie. The more butt cheek you have exposed, the less uh, 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 resistance you have to the water. Oh. You got to have a smooth butt rather than cotton. So you think that they shave their butt hairs off? Oh, you have to have a smooth butt, dude. It's Otherwise- all about being fast in the water. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that that fraction of a second that you gain by having a smooth butt could save someone's life. Yeah, guys with hairy butts get caught in seaweed all the time. Right. They're just mm. out there being like, "Keep going. Yep. Help that." Go man. without me. I'm <laughs> caught in my butt hair is tangled <laughs> in the behind. seaweed again. <laughs> I should shave or get a different job. Yeah, and then the hot ladies with the smooth butts save all the guys. Yeah. Save mm. everybody's life. Yeah. Right through the seaweed. It's 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 how we. <laughs> It's how we save this goddamn yeah. planet is smooth butts, everyone. Okay. Uh, my particular favorite part about watching Baywatch as an adult, though, isn't the slow motion running or the super lib storylines or even just David Hasselhoff sort of holding it together. Almost. Uh, almost. Almost. Um, it's the cameos from people who uh, we now know as major film stars or people who were stinker royalty. Sure. Such as... <clears throat> Uh, obviously, we could talk about the the big ones like Erica Elaniac, Pam Anderson, and Nicole Eggert, but most people don't realize that Billy Fickner was on Baywatch. Oh, Billy Fickner, huh? Who's that? Uh, he's you've seen him a million. You've times. seen him a million times. He's usually a bad guy. He's got a kind of a weird head. Um, I don't know how else to describe Billy Fickner. There's no good way. To, you just have to. You you see him you're like that's yeah. the guy. You're oh, like, oh yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. Him in, 
X. He's like a weirder looking, better acting Jimmy Smith. Fickner, right? Yeah. yeah. F-I-C-H. Fickner. Yeah. F-I-C-H-T-N-E-R. Brian motherfucking Cranston. Cranston, yeah. Uh, Alex Hyde White from, uh, you know, who Sneaker Madness fans will recognize from Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, Grant Heslov, Academy Award winning Grant Heslov. Academy Award winning Grant Heslov and Alex Hyde White from also Biggles Adventures in Time. Oh, yeah, Time. Biggles Adventures in Time. Good pickup. Uh, Vanessa Angel, you remember her, Sam, at all? Yeah. Uh, from Kingpin and Weird Science, the TV show. Yeah, she fell off the edge. Like, like yeah, she, she was, was hot and then she was gone. Burn bright. Uh, Danny Trejo. Huh. Shannon Tweed, of course. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Carrie Horiyuka Tagawa. He's in everything. In fucking everything. Jackie will remember him from Mortal Kombat and Showdown in Little Tokyo. I remembered that first guy. I looked him up. Oh, Bill, yeah. William Fickner. Yeah, yeah. He's in everything. Uh, Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi makes out with Pamela Anderson. I thought that was yeah. an interesting choice. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, of course. Yep. John O'Hurley. Who's John O'Hurley? Yeah. Yeah. Jay fucking Peterman. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's fucking great. Uh, Fabiano Edinio, who not very A lot of vagina. Is a lot of vagina. That's right. Good pickup, Sam. And Trevor Goddard, who we just got done with from uh, Men of War. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Mortal Kombat. He's Kano in Mortal, mm-hmm. in Mortal Kombat. Uh, I, that, that's my fun, fun thing to do is be like, hey, shit. Hey, look at that. Look well, that there, there was that horse who made a cameo appearance, too. The horse. Uh, I watched one of these uh, Baywatches for this segment, and it had a horse that was on the beach, ridden by a blind cowboy. Was it a famous horse? Yes. Its name was Frank. Okay. Frank the horse. Okay. I'm just making that part up. Yeah. But I like that Baywatch had a horse on it. Okay, well, that's not a cameo by a famous person, then. That's it's, just a pony, Jack. It's a horse. <laughs> it's a horse on Baywatch. It was yeah. awesome. Which means there was probably a horse master on set. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously. Yeah. Was that a joke or just a simple I, it observation? Was, it, uh, <laughs> it was meant to be a joke, Are we, it seemed like it was very informational. Could you, like, ring a bell when we're supposed to laugh or something? Because I, I, didn't, I didn't know that you were telling a joke. I thought you were just making a observation about TV production. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'll continue Tales from the Baywatch. Uh, at some point, I don't imagine that I'm only going to watch Baywatch during the summer, but 11 fucking seasons that show made, which is a lot. That's really, really long syndication. Run. Really? And it's their hour long episodes. And this is back in the day when seasons were 22 episodes. So it's 22 hours every fucking season. So how far did you get? I'm I'm halfway through season four. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's just covering seasons one through three, that cameo list. So are you going to tell us, like, what was your favorite episode about? Oh, no. So far, no, so no, far. No. Uh, mostly mostly the uh, Hobie and Mitch episodes. I like it when they have uh, some sort of issue at home. You know, Hobie's being, you know, he doesn't want to do his homework, and Mitch has got to figure out a way to, how do I talk to these kids? Uh, or Hobie is rebelling and, and goes surfing where he's not supposed to, and Mitch has got to save his life. But mostly just the Hobie and Mitch episodes, which is pretty much what the show's about. Yeah. It's just a, the story of his uh, a father and his son, and the father happens to be a life-saving hero, and how does the son fill in those shoes? Well, not good, because his first girlfriend dies. Hobie's? Yeah. No. No, she doesn't. She does. She goes oh. back to Seattle to die. Oh, yeah, but that's not because she died at Baywatch. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hobie, you're supposed to save her. Yep. 
Stupid Hobie. No life preservers for the cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't matter how smooth your butt is. Oh, and I like that the note. <laughs> first season with the guy who doesn't make sense. It's like Mitch's best friend who works for him. He's like supposed to be handsome. Oh, but... oh, uh, the attorney. Oh, God, what the heck is his name? But then it's like he has this huge beach house. Uh huh. He's a lifeguard. Right. He can't afford. He drives a Corvette. No, he, he's an attorney as well. He does the lifeguarding on the sides because he loves Jesus saving life. Fuck. Yeah. This is the blonde haired oh, guy, guy, right? Okay. Yeah, hair. I saw oh, that fuck one. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Now that I know that he's an attorney too, that that makes him bullshit. Yeah, man. He keeps Baywatch open at one point. Oh, <laughs> fuck. oh no! The power of the law. Oh, stupid. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this up, guys. Uh, next week is the the official beginning of Spooktober for the show, uh, and we're gonna do a curveball here with uh, Freddy Two. My pick, Freddy Two: Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. Uh, so make sure you check out that out this week. It is not the movie that you think it is. Um, final thoughts, guys. Anything? Well, that was the movie I was. Dogs. The dogs are telling us to stop it. Wrap this shit up, B. All right, get to the chopper. Fans of Stinker Madness, iTunes thinks you don't like us. What? How is that possible? Well, it's because you haven't given us a review yet. Go to Stinker Madness on iTunes and take just a couple seconds to rate and review us there. While you're at it, hit up Stitcher.com as well. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at forward slash Stinker Madness and email us at talk at We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and get to the chopper.